listening, that you have thoughts, that you have designs and plans for us. I thank you that you sent your son Jesus, that we could know forgiveness of sins and being cleansed. I thank you that you've given us the word to help us in life. I thank you that you've given us each other in relationships where we can be a blessing to each other. I ask, Lord, in Jesus' name that you would help us to understand what we're reading today and to apply it to our lives to make it real, something that we do something about. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so we have started in Luke 11. I'm going to read the first uh, four verses. I'm reading from the New Living today. Uh, You may have uh, another translation, but most of you will know these verses. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. And you may know the words, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, from the New Living, it rephrases that to say this. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. And quite literally, if we were to translate Jesus' words uh, word for word in today's language, we would say, pray like this, Daddy God who is in heaven, etc., etc. Now, prayer. We're talking about prayer. And we are wanting to take the same approach that the disciples took. His friends, as Chris referred to them, those that had been with him for about three years, walking the streets with him, watching him, observing his behavior. We are, uh, you may be familiar with the book by a a pastor, Andrew Murray, called uh, With Christ in the School of Prayer. We are wanting to learn from Jesus how to pray. Does that make sense? That's what we're wanting to do. Now, one thing we would have to say from the observation that we've talked about already is that they observed him doing it. They observed that he would get alone. They would observe that he carved out big chunks of time. If we read all of the stories of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we pay attention to the details of when and how Jesus prayed, we would have to come away with that observation. And so I have previous weeks mentioned that prayer requires a private place and big chunks of time. Does that make sense? Okay. Those of you that um, experience this, you know that. Now, I, I love summer. I really do. And if time and money were no object, I would do a lot of snorkeling and scuba diving. And so I have, um, sorry, turn this thing on. I have kind of playfully titled this series Airline, uh, referring to a scuba line that provides oxygen when you're underwater. Uh, it's summer, lighten up, right? Let's relax, let's enjoy this, and that's the purpose of the little uh, souvenir that I gave you. It's, you know, uh, brand new, it's clean, but it's designed for aquariums to provide air into an aquarium, to aerate uh, an aquarium. Um, an airline, if you're going to snorkel or you're going to scuba dive, is essential because um, even though when you were in the womb, you, d- you didn't need to breathe air, you had gills, 
uh, so to speak. Um, once you were out of the womb, you no longer had that ability and you have to breathe through your lungs. Right? Okay. So in a similar respect, you are a created spiritual being. And as a created spiritual being, you need to have contact with the spirit world. If we do not have contact with the spiritual world, our spirit begins to suffer, begins to become weak. We begin to get frustrations, um, fear, pain, different things begin to manifest itself, but they are evidences of a spirit that is weak, anemic, sick. Okay, like it or not, believe it or not, there are some things where, yes, memorizing scripture, counseling um, and other things can help a great deal. There's actually also preventive medicine that simultaneous to that can make a significant difference where you might think I'm not praying about my problem. But at the same time that you're not praying about and I recommend praying about your problem. But at the same time that you are spending one on one time with God, not praying about your problem, it is also beneficial to you and will change how you view your problem. Am I making any sense? Now, we've already spent some time with Jesus zeroing in on Daddy God who is in heaven. I mentioned that he was the first one to ever recommend that you refer to God as Daddy. And then he follows that with, let your name be kept holy in me. And on your piece of paper, I've given you this kind of um, alliteration, because that's what pastors are supposed to do these days, um, for this pattern of prayer. And if we were to follow the Gospels, uh, this is the first of two occasions that Jesus gives them this pattern of prayer. He taught it more than once. It's meant to be daily. These followers, and let's talk about Peter for just a second. Okay, so Peter's one of them. We know that Peter was married. We know that Peter was a fisherman. We know that Peter started out um, fishing and then had developed a family business, right? We know that he had two, maybe three boats and that this family business was going on. And yet he left his family business to pursue Jesus. Why? Well, we don't have explicit detail in the scriptures. We have some information from history, but let's just presuppose a little bit about Peter. Is that okay? Okay. Half of you are with me. That's fantastic. Keep your neighbor awake and we'll all be friendly. Okay. Okay. So Peter experienced one thing we see clearly, fear and frustration. Peter had a quick temper. Now, Peter was a fisherman. I really enjoyed fishing with my dad. I do really enjoy to fish. Another thing, time and money were no object. I would do a lot more of. I don't know for a fact, but I would imagine that for Peter, fishing had originally been a source of pleasure. We don't use that word in a healthy way enough. Pleasure. It's a good word. Fishing would have originally been a source of pleasure. Now, for me, the fishing that I knew was not on a lake, on a boat, like like it was for Peter. Uh, For me, it was walking through streams in the old growth in Oregon. Um, down in these little canyons and you would hike down and the logging road would follow the stream and you uh, my dad and I would hike down we'd have these uh, little packs and little telescoping rods with pound and a half line which makes you know three four pound fish fish feel like monsters Um, and and we would uh, put in bait and you toss it upstream and let it drift back towards you and and it was amazing amount of fun. Water so clear you can see to the bottom of the stream everywhere you go from the snow melt from the mountains in Oregon. Beautiful, beautiful place. A place of great pleasure. Now I can imagine that if I, like Peter, had grown up fishing and then had turned it into a business, a place of pleasure 
may have been turned into a place of pain and pressure. What happens oftentimes when we have something that we enjoy very much, we have teachers in the room as one example, a classroom that may have been a room, a place, your happy place, a place of pleasure, can then, which before you get into the classroom or before you get out on the stream to do some fishing, what it involves is your romantic view of yourself and what you think that you are, the, the, the good person that you think that you are. But in reality, when you get into it in a vocational way, it actually interacts with who you really are. Um, and in, when it's before you get out there, when it's a place of pressure, it also does not involve any expectations of other people. It's just something that you enjoy. Um, it's just you. You're just out on your own. It, did, it never really mattered if Dad and I brought 75 fish, which we did catch 75 fish out of one hole one day, or zero fish, right? You have a story either way. You can enjoy it either way. Yes, the fishermen can be a little masochistic. They can enjoy even a day with zero fish. Not every one of them, but some of them can enjoy even not catching fish. Now, I'm not that kind of person. I'm a little too competitive. But I've known some that are a little twisted. They can have a good time even if they don't catch anything. Um, it's So... This place that was once pressure, now when you're in it vocationally, does involve the expectations of other people. Not only does it involve the expectations of other people, it also involves deadline. It also is very results-oriented. And so a place that was once a place of pressure can now be turned into a place that, of place of pre, uh, excuse me, that was once a place of pleasure is now a place of pressure and pain. Now, it may be that this is what caused Peter to leave his vocation and his family to follow Jesus. We're not certain, but what we certainly do know is that he had fear and frustration. And so when Jesus comes with this, this is how you pray, and does not say, you go to the temple, you make the sacrifice, you pray Isaiah 60, you pray Isaiah 55, you pray Isaiah 51. The formality with which worship was known at that time, but instead, just like completely out of left field, Jesus teaches them to pray something very informal and very short and, and not focused on the $20 vocabulary. Am I making any sense? But what he does give them is a very specific pattern. So when you have come from a place that at one time was a place of pleasure and now is a place of pain and pressure, Jesus is aware of that. And so very much aware of that, he puts a tool in their hands that they can use to approach God that has a very specific pattern to it. I start with lifting the name of Yahweh God. Now when God spoke to Moses through the burning bush... He didn't, Moses was looking for a name which would be a noun in in ancient times, particularly a descriptor, a way that I can describe you, uh, define you. Are you paying attention? God does not give him a noun. God gives him a verb. God says, I am. And in his grammar, God always does this, I am, I am the one who always was, I am the one who is now, and I am the one who will always be. Whoa! For Jewish believers, a holy, 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 the repetition of three is to, to, to communicate a completeness, a totality, an a, a ir, ir, irreversible course of action, an irreplaceable quality, and above all else, the living God. But Jesus, the Son who prays, who gives His disciples a pattern for prayer that we could use if we, like the psalmist, which 
they would have done, if they were the kind that would leave their lives to follow Jesus, then they were the kind of Jewish believers that would have followed the pattern of the psalmist. And you're going to hate me for saying this, but that includes, I will awaken the dawn. Yeah, I will get my hindquarters to bed earlier so that I can get up earlier so that I can be awake before I try to approach God. Oh, he went there. Because if I'm going to have a private place and plenty of time and actually have a conversation with the one true living God, not just recite words in an empty way, which Jesus specifically said, don't pray like those religious people, Jesus said. Don't pray pray like those religious people who just repeat words out of vanity to get attention. Jesus said that. So if I'm going to follow the advice of Jesus, I've got to get up early, do my routine, get out of the house, walk the dog, get the coffee, do whatever. And then when I am awake, not give God the worst part of my day, but give God the best part of my day. I'm not saying this to put a religious thing on you. We are not a legalistic. We don't take a merit-based theology approach to Christianity or scripture. Let me rephrase and try to help you understand what I mean by that. We, we don't believe that what Scripture puts into us is, a, if I do this, I am a better person before God. No, no, no. Jesus' blood makes you the best you're ever going to be. But the love response that comes from me, that his followers were asking him about when he equipped them, when he gave them, hey, if you use this tool, it will make your life better. See, in Ephesians refers to Jesus as the head of the church for our benefit. See, Jesus is the head of this church. And for our benefit, he says, pray like this, Daddy God who is in heaven. We've talked already about, so my perspective changes. Some of, we've seen those futuristic movies. In the futuristic movies, what you see is, oh boy, what you see is a computer monitor that's not a monitor at all. It's just like this digital information up in the, up in the air, right? And the person just moves their hands and the stuff moves around. They don't actually do or read anything, but it just moves around. It looks cool, right? You know what I'm talking about? Or like on a video game, like a HUD, a heads-up display. Or like some have cars where the speedometer just shines up on the, uh, the glass. Okay, some of you are with me. So information up. So what happens a lot of times when we come to God is in our HUD, our heads up display, we've got a bunch of stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Right? We got a bunch of stuff. We got bills, we got kids, we got pressure, we got insecurity, we got fear, we've got mundane, we've got I've been here before, um, we've got a little bit of information that I took that, 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 that stuck with me from scripture, from teaching about God. We've got the disappointments of life that have come that have affected what I view, what my actual view of God is in the real world. We've got a heads up display, right? If I'm looking at you like I'm looking at God in my relationship, and we do this with each other, right, too, we observe other people and we don't ever say this, but from looking at their exterior, we make preconceived notions, prejudice, judgment, right? And, and then we have a, some relationship with each other. And so when I look at a person, I've got a heads up display. Now God wants to rearrange our head, heads up display. God wants to rearrange our heads up display. So Jesus knew that we, when we came to God, we would have this. Hello? He knew that. And so Jesus, knowing that, knew that when we were going to start prayer, we would need to start with a bring the heads up display down and put start with a lift him up. Let your name and 
Exodus 34, Jesus, when God comes down and describes himself and he declares his name Yahweh, which in it means creator, redeemer, full of love, full of mercy, forgiving transgression and sin and iniquity to a thousand generations. And God describes himself, who God is must be holy in me. Now later in the day is going to test what's actually in me. Because under every behavior, there's belief. And, and, and Jesus knew that how strong my belief in who God was would dictate what's going on in my heart, what comes out of my mouth, and what goes on in my life. Hello? So this daily pattern of lifting God up is really important for us to rearrange our heads-up display. And then when we interact with the rest of our day... What should occur is our problems, our challenges, our fears, our insecurities should now look smaller, if not eliminated, okay? And God should look bigger. It's why we give time to singing, right? There's a lot of scripture about singing. There's a lot of scripture about approaching the Bible. That's why we do these things every Sunday with what is supposed to be the best part of our week, Sunday morning, right? So we have this approach because God said that we needed it and that it would help us. When we sing our praises and when Jimmy and Chris and I choose the songs for church, we're literally choosing things where the words are going to bring us to a place of God is bigger than the rest of it. Because that's the truth. Are you with me? Now, so I have to start with lift. Now, I've got a transition to let. Okay? So, Daddy God who is in heaven, let your name be kept holy in me. May it be more important than anything else. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done. Now, let's talk about this just a little bit. Romans 14, 17 refers to the kingdom of God as this. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And what Paul is writing to those believers that lived in Rome, who were actually a lot like us, is he was trying to summarize all that Jesus said about the kingdom. And the kingdom of God, I mean, it's a massive subject. We could teach on it for the rest of the year. Huge subject. And Jesus had a lot to say about the kingdom of God that I find is very different than the formal misunderstanding most Christians in America have today. What Paul was trying to do was summarize and say what Jesus was talking about. You have to have this active personal relationship with God, the Holy Spirit. And in that you will find righteousness, which means I'm in right relationship. I've confessed my wrongs and forgiven. I'm living the way I should with God and right relationship with others. So Paul, Paul is also saying in this and in this word righteousness that God's purpose, God's kingdom that he has purposed before he created one blade of grass or one rock was not just to fix our mess ups. Remember, there was stuff before sin. God had a purpose before sin. Yes, God has purpose in fixing our mess ups and healing us. And yes, of course, you need healing today. You need strength today. You need encouragement today. That is a part of God's purpose, but it is not all of God's purpose. The, Paul writes to the Ephesians that God has prepared good works for us to do. There is yet more to your life, no matter how old you are, no matter what your checkbook says, no matter, come on, that's good, somebody say amen. No matter what's going on in your life, no matter what the the doctor said what the diagnosis is it does not matter god has a purpose inside of you that is trying to get out and when i hamper it with all the other concerns of life that is one reason that frustration is kicking against where the purpose of god is trying to get to 
And so every day if I start my day and I say, God, rearrange my heads up display, hook me up to the oxygen supply. Let's talk about what you want today. And I got to start with, I lift you up. Let your kingdom correct me where I need to be corrected so that I can be in right relationship with you, right relationship with other people. Because out of that comes what? Peace and joy. Right? Romans 14, 17, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So what I can do before I start to ask, you notice that this is before give us each day our daily bread? Jesus knew that the order of things was important. Hello? Okay, okay. I want to make sure you're still thinking this through. The order of things is important. God, you are bigger than everything that's in my life. You're more important. You're wonderful. You are the only source of love, hope, peace, and joy. And I let go. God knows I'm done trying because I messed it up so many times. Right? I let go. I say, God... Let your kingdom come in every area of my life. In different days of the week, I pray this through in different ways. And one reason this series is so easy for me is because this is one I use every day. Every day. God, please, in my thoughts, in my decision making, in my emotions, in my spiritual life, in my marriage, in my parenthood, in my friendships, in my relationship with our neighbors, in my relationships in the church, in my relationships in the business world. God, please let it be your kingdom that comes inside of me and it will come out. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done. In that, the kingdom of God is also justice, which is righting the wrongs. And from that position, I pray over my neighborhood and my city. God, right the wrongs. Right the wrongs. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Hear this, let go, let God, let your will be done. I've got to make a decision on a daily basis to submit to him, to recognize his supremacy, his providence, his sovereignty over my life. Oftentimes we will think that we are more important than we really are. Oftentimes we will think that we're accomplishing more than we really are. Oftentimes we will also underestimate what God wants to do with our life in the long run and overestimate what he wants to do in the short run and get disappointed and frustrated. If we can start our prayer with this submission. Yeah, I said it. Submit. A submission. God, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. I'm, I'm tired of trying to do this my own way. God, in my life. And guess what? He's already revealed to you what his will looks like. So this is also a repentance. This is also a confession that I must be committed to dig into the scripture and to ask really good questions. Even with fatherhood, the Bible has a lot to say about fatherhood. In business relationships, the Bible has a lot to say about business. 
that's direct, that you don't have to twist words to come up with. Government, taxes, marriages, children. The Bible has a lot to... Neighborhoods, cities. The Bible has a lot to say on all of these subjects. My approach to my vocation, my approach to work, my approach to my ministry, my approach to the church. The Bible has a lot to say. In my prayer, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. I am also committing myself to pursue to learn about, to discover how God wants me to live my life. See, when if I do this before I get to give us this day our, our, our daily bread, I am now put in the right attitude, the right perspective. It is much easier for me that, to then pray, God, help me be a good steward of whatever amount of money you decide to give me. That one doesn't get as many amens. It's easier when I say, God, and who are we talking to? Right? Who are we talking to? Let me give you just a couple of uh, more quick thoughts, and then we're going to actually pray. I don't... Okay. We've, we referenced Psalm 62, verse 8. Trust Him at all times. Pour out your heart to Him, for God is our refuge. I want, I want us to have a functional reality. I know that this sermon series is incredibly simple. I know that it's not complicated. And some of you that have logged a lot of hours in church is like, oh, here we go. PB is always so simple. Could have said that one myself. And yet when you ask me to get involved in your life, I find that you're not using it. We, we got up. Jesus said, those who love me will do what I say we got to put to practice what He gave us. And that is a heart issue, not a legalism issue. I mean, I, when was the last time I asked any of you if you prayed this today? I don't, I don't live like that. We're not a legalistic church. But, but in your heart, there's got to be this, I trust in God. And that will bring me to a place of wanting to learn from Jesus. And that's, that's why, can we, um, Nate, can you help me skip forward? Okay, I did. Um, that's why I want to kind of get into our system that learning to pray Jesus' words brings you into a relationship with God where you know He hears you and answers you. That's the functional reality. The functional reality is that if I use this tool, my attitude, my perspective, my heads-up display, it's going to get rearranged. I'm going to get changed. And Jesus knew that. That's why He gave us this tool, because He wanted to help us. He wanted us to be able to go into every day with more peace and more joy, with an ability to just say, you know, what's the worst that could happen today? Oh, well, I'll be in heaven, and so will you. Really? I mean, we kind of need a little dose of that, right? I mean, there's a pill for everything today. Blood pressure, cholesterol, you name it, right? Neuroses, there's, there's pills for everything. And they, they help. We do have, there are uh, chemical things going on. They do help. I, I'm not against pills. But, but we need to take a daily, like my grandpa used to say, the vitamin for Christians, be one. We need to t- <laughs> I love my grandfather. But he couldn't control himself with jokes like that. But we got to have that be one mentality where we, if I learn to, to pray Jesus' words, 
It brings me into a relationship with God where you know where believing starts to sink in, where I believe that he hears me and that he answers me. Jesus wouldn't teach us to pray like this if prayer was designed to not be answered. No, 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 no. Prayer is designed to be answered. What I believe about God is going to affect very, very much how this prayer comes up out of me. And the more that I pray this prayer, the more that my heart will be changed and the more how I view God and and what I think about God will start to shift. Some of us need a little chiropractic adjustment of your God is too small. To, to To whom are you praying? So Jesus' words about prayer include things that are hard to understand. Whatever you ask for, whatever you seek, keep knocking. The door will be open. He whoever asks, receives. Whoa, Jesus, you're freaking me out. So I've got to come to a place where I pray, Jesus, I hear you say things that are beyond my comprehension. I can do nothing but accept them with simple childlike faith as your gift to me. Forgive me for not believing your promise to me. Teach me to pray and act in a way that glorifies you. I've been referring to alpine climbing. Um, prior Alpine climbing is this practice that you see pictured here where two people are, are tied to each other and they've got ice uh, picks basically for shoes and, and an ice axe in each hand and they scale a mountain. And prior to alpine climbing, the... Um, people would go in packs of 20 or 30 people with all their camping gear, all their food and water and everything, and the climbing would go much slower. Once people started alpine climbing, the records for climbing different mountains fell very, very quickly because people were able to get higher much quicker, ascend the peaks and and, and climb mountains that had not been climbed before. And, And in our life, starting with Daddy God who is in heaven, brings me back to a place of being grounded, of realizing to whom am I speaking. John 4, Jesus says to the woman at the well, if you only knew who you were talking to, you wouldn't ask me for this water, but you would ask me for living water that you would thirst no more. We serve the living God who wants us to come to Him knowing who we speak to. Chris is going to come and lead us in a time of prayer now. And uh, please don't leave. We will um, dismiss with further instruction after our time for prayer.